Welcome back to Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor of Global Voice, and thank you so much for checking out this episode and all the other episodes of New Amsterdam Radio. And I know I say that every week, but I truly do mean it. Uh, there was a long time when this show had zero downloads, but I still pretended it as if I had an audience, but I actually do. And so I thank you for that, uh, making a huge positive for 2020 for me. Uh, my guest this week is Raldi Lewis. Uh, you may know him from the classic film Cool Runnings, but our talk really wasn't about that. But before I get into my talk with him, I have a little bit of a story. You see, getting Raul on my show has been a get. It's been something that I've, I've been uh, hoping for for a long time. I was afraid to ask the guy, even though we're kind of cool, you know? Um, the reason being is this. When I got into the swing of things as a comedian I hit a really bad plateau about two years in the game and I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it I wasn't sure if I was going to quit and I remember reaching out to Raul just as I shot in the dark like like the comedy gods if you can hear my prayers help me out and uh not only did he ask not only did he answer my prayers he asked for my phone number and we called I called him excuse me and we chatted for about a good half an hour about the things I'm doing right, the things I can work on, uh, the things I can improve on. And it must have been just a phone call to him, but it changed my my, my perspective on things because here was somebody who didn't have to do all that. And he did. So I'm forever grateful for it. It let me to continue on my comedy career. So I was more than happy, uh, more than honored uh, when he agreed to do New Amsterdam Radio. Uh, he has a show of his own. It's called Strop, Drop, and Roll. And we'll talk about that little bit more in detail on our interview so enough of my ramblings about stories about the game it's now time for my interview with Raul D. Lewis welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio the podcast for creative it is me your mayor for the boys I'm in the mayor's office because that's where I hang out but the man has so many slashes we're gonna get to all of them but the one thing I want to say off the bat is that he makes me laugh all the time get up for Mr. Raul D. Lewis how are you doing sir What's up? How you living, man? I'm good. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm good, and I'm better get to hang out with you because I know, like, I always go in passing. We always like, I will see you at a right. show. Or you'll see me at a show. I think before pandemic, which sounds like twenty years yeah. ago. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's like a whole other life, then, right? <laughs> I know, right? Before yeah. the storm, uh, you were at a house party, like a house party comedy show with a mutual friend. Oh, uh, that's Stephen right. Briggs, yeah, because I, right. I didn't know yeah, Stephen. Yeah. I knew David oh. Christopher, Punk Rock, who knew who knew Stephen. He's like, oh, my friend's a comic, come to the show. I'm like, mm. all right, I do, I tell jokes. And it was a crazy <laughs> venue, but it was cool to see you again after how But you didn't years. get to, you didn't perform that night, but you, uh, but you came yeah. and hung out. That was kind of cool. Because most yeah. people, <laughs> you know, because most comedians don't do that. They don't hang out if they're not performing. Yeah, and this is going to yeah. sound like a, an old soul moment, but you see these old tapes, like the, the history of the improv or the history of the comedy store, and people are like, yo, after we performed, we hung out and talked. But comics yeah. now are like, yo, we got five book, five open mics. I'm I'm busy with my five open mics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm out, so. I think that, and also we're not as um, uh, socially uh, intelligent like they were back then. I think astute. People were very uh, socially uh like comedy was like a rare thing uh, you know you yeah. you were in rarefied air if you were hanging out with so it's like we all did this crazy thing so people bonded more but now there's so many comics they're like it's almost like some people almost get competitive sometimes oh yeah, yeah. or everyone's in their little group i'm well i'm all alternative comedy or i'm like you know yeah. i'm shock comedy you know 
whatever that is. Don't brand it. Yeah. Right. Do you consider yourself a comedian first, or are you an actor slash or a ah, so, slash? Man, it's so weird because I was just talking about this with my friend. My other friend is a comic. Because I do acting and writing and and uh, they all kind of happen simultaneously, I kind of feel of myself as... It's kind of like if I was a musician, I would, uh, I'm an artist. I'm a musician first. I'm an artist. And then I like, man, I want to do, you know how like musicians want to, they want to try a different genre. Yeah. yeah. Like they want to, let me see what it's like to sing a country song. I'm kind of like that in like, I love acting. And, but when I act too much, I miss comedy because comedy is very raw and very uh, immediate response. I miss that. And then when I do too much comedy, I miss, uh, it's just an acting, you reach way more people. Yeah. And it's more of a collaborative. Sometimes I get bored with just it being me. Okay, that's fair. And so I like acting because it's not just all on you if the if it fails. <laughs> right. <laughs> I tried. So you're like almost like Diplo, like eight different bands and groups, but it's the same dude. You know, Silk Cities, like like Major Lazer. Like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's the same dude. Uh, that's yeah, the way yeah. to look at it too, because like, I feel like it's very rare you see people just doing comedy. And I used to be resentful of that. I used to be resentful of the small subsection here in Los Angeles, especially of say pure actors who get signed mm. or get a manager and go take a comedy class. And I mm. felt like I was competing with them because I felt like as a mm. com comedian, yeah, I'm not saying I'm the best. I want to get better at it. But at least I thought that I was a comedian first, quote, quote. But then you have right. someone saying I'm Mulang as a comic and I do this. I used to be like, pick a side. Yeah. Like, yeah. That would be. Well, it's true. I get I get the frustration because there's some people that just people who love comedy like get annoyed. Which I love comedy, so I get annoyed when people are just. Well, my manager said I should do comedy. And it's like I get yeah. pissed. It's like, come on, man! It's not a gimmick, right? You know what I mean? There's enough of us already trying to get stage time. Don't, we don't want to get clogged up by somebody who's like a, you know, weekend comic, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Or just hobbies, just trying out a hobby. Or trying to get on a sitcom, it's like those people annoy me. But that being said, I admire people who have like varied interests, you know, because a lot of times you get forced into, like, you know, if you do comedy, you're you're, uh, it takes a lot of different skill sets in order to do comedy, like your ability, public speaking, uh, humor, timing, jokes, all. That's why comedy fits into so many other avenues you can become an actor writer because you're doing all those things simultaneously yeah. when you do comedy That's so, a good point. i heard that comedic act or comedians who become actors tend to get it differently i won't say quicker or better but they did get it differently than those who are yeah. say, strictly classically trained or what have you yeah. yeah especially comedy we understand timing we 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 get we we've sort of strengthened that muscle you know we have a proclivity to try to get Laugh so clivity that is something I don't hear every day. I, I'm impressed. <laughs> Sometimes I do these shows that you podcast on, like a SAT word would slip out. You're like, Where did that come from? Like, I don't usually say postulate, but it just came out. In this yeah, that's true. That happens to me. This happens to me a lot because, uh, like different people inspire different conversations. And yeah. you know, I use I just used magnanimous the other day, and I was like, Well, why am I using this word? <laughs> <laughs> I like it, but still. But you know, I'm always searching for the word to really paint the picture. Yeah. And so something will pop out like that that you don't even remember that that was in your repertoire. 
you know? deep in the archives, like yeah. the crates. Uh, but but, uh, but as a comedian, man, one of the cool things I like about your journey is that you were able to perform globally. Like, uh, mm -hmm. not to make this question about me, but I was at my first or my second international day. I did Canada once. I was going to be in Japan in 2000, oh, nice. in April, excuse me, of this year. Of course, that didn't happen with the pandemic. But yeah. the, the, the roadmap was like, remember hitting up at that same party going like, yo, how, how'd you do the international thing? How's that work? Like, I mean, how's it? work as far as a feeling you know you you practice a craft you know what kills in los angeles but then someone books you and say what europe or germany or copenhagen Japan, copenhagen yeah. denmark yeah perfectly example going well they speak english they understand the language mm -hmm. but will they get me will they get raw d yeah i i mean i always kind of well okay let, let me just say when i did cool runnings that movie i always kind of go for my mindset is always kind of like the world is kind of smaller than we think because I have friends from all because I live in Los Angeles and I live in near the beach and it's a lot of tourists. So I realize that from meeting a lot of tourists, even at a young age, that you realize that everybody kind of has this gets the whole American thing It's it's so vast. It's all over the world. Like our culture is the most marketable thing about us. And so I kind of feel like that was our advantage. And I also kind of feel like the world's getting smaller. Like people in people in Denmark or Germany know about Rodney King. Oh, it's, wow. it's Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like America. I feel like America, we're like the seniors in high school. You know how like in high school, everybody knew what the seniors, the popular seniors were doing, but they didn't know you. Right, <laughs> so, right. As yeah, other yeah. those countries are you. <laughs> I wasn't quite there yet. No, I would, but you know, you know, you like when a senior recognizes you, hey, you're in the chess club, right? You're like, yeah, and you play football, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's how it is. I kind of feel like, uh, so I always felt like when, when I did Cool Runs, I, I was, I would go all different parts of the world and people knew that movie. I was like, damn, that's amazing. But I also liked that, the fact that it was like a bigger pool to draw from. True. You know, so when I whenever I do comedy, I kind of think of uh, it's just kind of what happened. I think of jokes that are I think of I, my comedy is based on human behavior more so than just political thing or just trend trend oriented things like everybody. If you do a joke about a cheap friend, that guy is all over the world, man. That guy is in, you know, in Sweden. You could do that joke in Sweden and people be like, yeah, that's like Johan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Johan's like, what? I said the crowd was on me, y'all. <laughs> exactly. But everybody yeah. gets those those concepts of just basic human uh, behavior. And you could be in Zimbabwe. A Bushman is like, mm-hmm, yeah. Like my man, like you know what I mean. <laughs> point, point <laughs> like, People yeah. getting like lit up all across the world. <laughs> exactly, because we all do the same. We're all doing the same things, and we think we're so different. And that's what I love about. I mean, there's nuances, but it's basically we're kind of all repeating the same behaviors. Yeah, and and logically, I guess, or from the the travel side. I mean, what what goes through your mind there? Being like, yo, this people booked me for this show half across the mm -hmm. world like do you pack differently do you travel differently do you like record it or what's what's the creative process when you fly out there as far as you know being the, the performer that's been booked um well, well what do you mean like well how do i prepare for the yeah, how of... do you prepare like how do you like take it all in man like are you in this town mm -hmm. to visit and then on your daytime yes. down like what's the schedule like yeah 
I know for one thing I always end up not making money at those gigs. Here's why, because I'm using comedy to, uh, I'm using that as an excuse to get to see, like when else would I have been in Copenhagen, you know? True. So when I go there, I get paid and I go, oh, great, free. You know, like when you're in gambling and you, if you win money right off the bat, you go, oh, well, I'm gambling with their money. You know, you kind of think like that. Yeah. I kind of do like that. Well, this is a free vacation and I start going around the town. Yeah. And spending money, spending the money that I made. Yeah, no, I hear using you. that opportunity. So sometimes, like, uh, there's been times when I've come home, I've broken even, <laughs> but I figured, well, I got a free trip to Europe, and I, I kind of got a little carried away. <laughs> and that's experience. Well, I haven't done that quite with the comedy side, but like in 2018, for those who listen to New York City Radio, I tell the story all the time. But I got booked to do a DJ a wedding in Italy. And, mm-hmm. and that was like, I, there was no, re- like, let's say Italy was a bad place, but it was never on my mind as a place to visit. It was just kind right, of like, right. like there. And so I went for it. And I think I lost money when it's all said and done. Like, <laughs> I, I, I was like in the hole in the sixth day. I, I sat the last two days in my hotel room, like, I can't even go outside. But it was cool because I got so many stories on it and being like, yeah. wow, I've been validated in a weird way that people have paid to DJ their wedding. I played Uptown Funk across the world because I right. to do so. So you know how it is. You know how it is. Like when you American culture is just so prevalent that you could, they know your music. They know your. They know everything about us. So for, I think for us as a comedians, it's like uh, we're cheating in a way. We kind of could say, we kind of could have a short speak, and they know our references. Whereas we don't know their ref- all of their references. Yeah. I try my hardest. Here's one of the ways I prepare though. I try my hardest when I go into town. I go to a coffee shop and I start asking people questions about what's the next, what's your rival town, what's your sports teams, and blah blah. blah. Because I figure I realize that it's very valuable when you um, mention something about them that's very specific. They go, they're like, whoa! They kind of they really appreciate it. And they also feel like, and also most Americans, most of us as Americans, we don't really know shit about them. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just kind of like, I've seen, I've been in the comedy clubs in Amsterdam and saw like a an American comic doing not very farm jokes. And I was like, why, why would you be doing that here? Like, and then he goes, then he goes, and one of his things was, you guys celebrate Thanksgiving? I'm like, why? You mean yeah. where the pilgrims came to America? Yeah. Why would they be celebrating that? <laughs> I'm like, and I oh, would. Just for clarification purposes, Knott's Berry Farms, a theme park here in Southern California. Yes. Very specific, very geographical to this area. Yeah. And he's doing it in Europe. In, <laughs> in a Dutch. And he killed, bro. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was wondering why he wasn't doing well. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you're not, you're not sensitive to, you're not really culturally astute, you know? You, I see honestly. I see that with white comics when they, um, they start telling a lot of jokes. Not all of them, obviously, but I'm just being like some people talking about drunk jokes. Getting you ever get so drunk that you do this? And I was, I was glazed over because I don't really drink because I kind of lose out in those experiences. And after the tenth joke, I'm like, wow, this guy's an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, did you really lose out there, (laughs) Raw? I hear you. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like I lose out. I miss out. Uh, I'm sort of not, I can't really relate, you know, to yeah. that level of uh, booze yeah, <laughs> or taste. Fair enough, man. Like that, it, it's interesting because I know a lot of us who are creative, even outside of comedy, 
there's always like the, the the middle step. Like before you become world famous, the middle step for us comes going on the road, right? There's like mm-hmm. if you're an artist getting a, a painting sold, and we kind of get in our own heads of what's considered that level. Like, are you good enough? Right. And you're saying that right. this, these Americans are in the same club as you are, you're, but your journeys are different because you can see that you did the research where your colleagues did not. Yeah, and I think people appreciate when you, it's kind of like any relationship, like a woman, if you notice that she got her hair done, or I feel like it's that with the audience, if you notice things about, if you show up in their town, you mention things like, oh, I noticed you had this, people appreciate you appreciating them. Yeah, you know? this is something that I kind of stumbled across too. I was in Toronto, I was in my day job, my day job had a, a business conference, and so I totally moonlight like Batman, right? You know, mm-hmm. and I did a, not a joke, but I told my story about being patted down at the border. Uh, and the reason why I got pat down in Toronto is that no one at the security in Toronto believed that an American would visit Toronto for the first time so old. They're like, people come here all the time when they're younger kids. But I was like 32 at the time, so they patted me down. And true to Canadian, like this, this is not even an embellishment, true to Canadian culture, the female who patted me down was apologizing. She's like, oh, sorry, sorry, I have to do it, sorry. And I thought that was the most funniest <laughs> shit ever. But it's right, funny when right. the crowd was like, yeah, we do do that. Yeah, right. You know, right, like, right. To your point, and like to localize what you do to your audience is just invaluable. So, mm-hmm. And you're like a mirror sometimes. You they, uh, they sometimes don't even realize the things. They don't see themselves from the outside looking in. So when you say stuff to them, they go, oh, yeah, we do do that. That's crazy. Yeah. And I think it's they appreciate it. They do. Yeah. That's that's deep, bro. That's that's deep. Uh you had mentioned that you were in Cool Runnings real quick. I'm not trying to make it a cool running show, but do you watch that movie regularly? Is it kind of like so far back you can't? Like what is like seeing myself in like a YouTube video, I'm like, oh god, like my face. Like how do you do that right, right. in a movie that's beloved by people? I mean, well, I have it on a loop in my bedroom. So just for the <laughs> on ladies. the ceiling, right? <laughs> And I'm like, see what you see what you see what you're working with. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, slow motion. That, yeah, slow that freeze frame. Um, no, I, well, for me, it was so long ago. I was really young, so I kind of feel like I'm constantly reminded of that movie because people love it so much, and I feel like that's like a good thing to be part of. I'm kind of always awestruck, really. But I'm always, I mean, it's years later, I'm still kind of like, really? When people recognize me, when people uh, say, especially when I go to those other countries, like when I'm always walking down the street in Luxembourg, like just, it's such a weird thing to say anyway. Like I would never thought I would end up being in Luxembourg when I'm walking down the street and people stop me. I was like, oh, I think it's Rasta Rocket, they call it over there. (laughs) Yeah. That's the name name in Luxembourg for Cool Runnings? it's It's the French name. The people <laughs> French speaking, they go rest the rocket. I thought is they that were offensive. I don't know how to take this. That's how I was. I was like, I was like, is, this, is that the N word in France? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The people like beep beep rest the rocket. And I was like, you too, buddy. You know, <laughs> right? That is and cool, then, man. And that was kind of. It's kind of like it. It just trips me out. It always trips me out because I'm like, man, I would never have thought like years later people would still be in that movie so much. So, and I also feel honored to be part of that because how many of those do you get in your life? You know, true. 
where hopefully I get more, but you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the, not the goal, but like one of the cool things about being creative is that you potentially can make something that resonates with generations, right? Which sounds very like poetic, but you know what I'm saying? Like Harry Potter no. fans are having yeah. kids with our Harry Potter fans and that right. something that was created when I was alive and further on and you too. So I, I, right. th- I wish for that. I wish for that. Like, hey, you're the guy from the thing. And some actors are annoyed by that, but I I don't think I have so much of it that it's like, like I may get recognized once a day. I mean, it depends on how much I'm outside, but, yeah. and I think it's just enough to be tolerable. I think I saw Cuba Gooding, everyone was talking to Cuba Gooding Jr. one time and people were like driving by, and this is not that long ago. And however old that movie was, the people were driving by, beep, beep, show me the money. And I was like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> like it happened yeah. so many times that I was like, and he was cool with it, but I thought, that seems kind of annoying. Wait, what did he do? Did he like wave? Did he smile? Did he say it back? Like, he just kind of was that? like, uh, he, he, he kind of like was talking to me and he was engaged in talking to me and people were going by and showed me the money and he just stayed with me. Okay. Like sometimes and sometimes he'd be like, all right, man, good to see you. And then came back like he, but he didn't seem bothered by it at all. And yeah. I was getting bothered by it. <laughs> and yeah, it's yeah. not even me. You know, I was kind of like, come on, man, that's rude. <laughs> well, the last time I was, I was, I won't say starstruck. The last time I was like, I gotta tell this person I'm a fan of him, even though he doesn't know who I am. Um, mm-hmm. Will allow me to name drop. I went to the the roast of Bruce Willis as a seat filler, <clears throat> so I was in the back when he came out in the, in the motorcycle and had the after mm-hmm. party, and there was Lil Rel, which Lil Rel is like, not to say he's not a huge comedian, but you could bear like Kevin Hart or like Sebastian Maniscalco. There's right, not right. on top of mine as far as, as as that. And I saw him, and I was like. Yo, you the dude from Uncle Drew. <laughs> That's the first thing I said to him. And he's like, yo, man, thank you. Appreciate it. People usually say get out, but uh, <laughs> thank you for the for the shout out. And and it's crazy yeah. how you feel these characters are part of your life, even though you have not met yeah. them. That you go, hey, you're the guy from that thing. You know, it's, it's amazing. Because it, you, you, you spend, they spend so much time in your living room and you kind of feel like, I know that person. And you really don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Some some people will be like, "Hey, I grew up on you." I remember I was eating froyo the other day, and somebody somebody went by, and they're like, "Yeah, I grew up on you." Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because I keep it gangster with my froyo. (laughs) (laughs) You said to go like, "Yo, thanks, player." Like, how the same thing? Kind of like a thanks for my. You you do pictures? You do autographs? Is that weird? No one does. I don't. I don't get the autograph thing. No one does autograph anymore. They just want a picture. Pictures, I don't have a problem with. But I feel like people shouldn't have your signature, okay. <laughs> like Fair a stranger. Enough. Yeah, it seems weird in in, in a time now. This technological uh, forgery and all this kind of. <laughs> you don't have a celebrity signature. You don't have like a like a R with a star around big, it. No, no, I don't, I don't think I'm big enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> R. I used to try to do an R with a smiley face, and it, it and then it just looked like I had. I just was illiterate. <laughs> just, just put an X here. We'll just tell people. <laughs> I was like, you sign it. <laughs> I know, right? I'll agree to it. Uh, well, what's what's funny about the way we reconnected is that I stumbled across your new podcast on Facebook because I um, algorithms right stop drop and roll because it's a pun. Why not? Um, I was surprised because let's be real, a lot of comedians have podcasts in very similar categories either it's a funny look of the of the news or it's kind of like let's talk about mental health not in a bad way but like mm-hmm. but your show is it's really really different you could just like like tell me about the reason that slap drop and roll was your first podcast and and how that show has affected like your perspective yeah i think it's it's all the culmination of the pandemic and all this 
things that are going on and our and our inability to really communicate or and also my uh, need to reinvent myself or to still express myself even though I haven't been out there doing comedy yeah and uh, I I think my thing is is that uh, I didn't want to just do a, a jokey jokey uh, thing I mean even though I'll, like if humor comes out naturally it comes out but I sure. kind of feel like I wanted to do something about I feel like we uh, I wanted to deal with real people for one thing, like people from all walks of life. I feel like I've met, during my travels, I've met so many different people that are fascinating. They may be a chef or like a, you know, a Norwegian fisherman or uh, just my, my friend who lives in Marseille. She's from Harlem, moved to Marseille and she's like a college professor. Like I was like, wow. That's all a fictional people. character life story. That's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. So, but all these people are, are and sometimes like uh, I have like, uh, no homeless people, so I feel like I feel like I'm always been into communicating with people, and and I feel like what I've learned is that they all have some sort of wisdom or life experience to uh, some sorry. sort of. Sorry, something. I cut you off there. I was trying to bring up your description. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool the way you said it. Um, this is an actual official description of soft drop and roll. Uh, Who are we really? I mean, who are we beyond the labels of black, white, fat, thin, young, old, rich, poor? What is our story beyond that? I believe everyone has got a bit of wisdom in them. Has that been true in your experience? Yes, that's exactly how I feel. And I wanted to do something that was just not just comedians or not, not just part of my group, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because I think we get we all get stuck in our bubbles. And one of the reasons I'm, what I'm trying to do with this podcast. The next one is coming out. I'm going to release it today, I think. And it's, I'm talking to the LAPD to- Like uh, a cop to, or like a, a PR person? Like what? No, two, two uh, cops from the LAPD force. And we talk about a lot, uh, the George Floyd police, police brutality, but they're part of a police outreach program. They're trying to okay. improve the, I mean, they're actual cops. They're not like sitting at the end of the desk, but they're, but but they're part of the, they're trying to improve the image of the, of cops and uh, citizens that, cause yeah. there is kind of a combative relationship there. That's kind of an understatement, but yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, but I'm, I'm them and I have like, I've recorded a few of them and I, and I got like a chef in Amsterdam, like who's just this guy who's like all about love through food. I don't know. It's just, Right now, I'll see how it goes. I just yeah. kind of like uh, that that exact description. I feel like we just we're so caught up into living out our labels that we're not really seeing. Like we're really more than that. We're bigger than that, you know. Yeah. Than just like like you, you're an anomaly. Oh, thanks, man. I don't. Know. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> you're like a mayor, run for mayor. You're just like you're not uh, just a comedian. You I also just... like came in last place. Well, that's why I don't talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, but it doesn't matter, man. Uh, man. Yeah, I I got so jaded. I got instantly jaded when it was all said and done. I was like, wow, this is politics on a small scale. Um, So for those who don't know, I felt so inclined, so inspired by actually one of your bits, if you want to put this full circle. So we all had this, 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 uh, this bit about living in Santa Monica, being a black person. 
Now he would like when he's jogging, he would like exaggerate like holding his, his temperature and pulse and stuff <laughs> to make sure he looks safe and non-threatening. And I was like, you know what? I do that here in Palms. This is in the part of town I live in. I'm gonna run as a business representative. I had the the t-shirts made. I had the flyers given. It was like the the most. It was like the innocent lamb walking to the slaughterhouse, being like politics. Mm-hmm. Because I saw everything. I saw special interest groups. I saw slates, which are basically like unofficial tickets so you can pool together resources. I saw backhand mm-hmm. deals. Came to the last place. Of course, I'm bitter as hell. And uh, for some reason, or <laughs> all my friends have given me the hero's welcome, though. Oh, you tried. Young, black, intelligent. You should be proud of yourself. But I'm just so mad <laughs> that I got <laughs> that I lost. Not because like the, 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 the citizens wanted something better. <laughs> it's because I got squeezed out. <laughs> so I've right, just been right, so right. mad about that ever since. But no, I... I ran for mayor or business representative in Palms and this last year. I mean, but there's but you're learning the intricacies of pol- politics, as we say, in in I po- politics. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, um, so you you know that you learn you've learned that it's it's more than just uh, who's it's it's about marketing and publicity and and you know shaking getting in with the groups and shaking hands and kissing babies and I had no idea. Yeah, but. But I, I actually applaud. We all applaud your effort, especially like the comedians. We, we comedians, we think that all we're good for is waking up at noon and you know writing a couple of dick jokes and then <laughs> yeah, hard and then day's work. work. Yeah, ooh, ooh, I'm exhausted. Right, <laughs> drink a couple of beers or whatever you do. This time the punchline is the dick, and that'll work backwards. <laughs> no, I hear you, yeah. dude. I hear you. And, and, yeah. I guess it's I guess it's a metal like the I don't know if you remember the game of life back in the day the actual board mm-hmm. game you have a little tile like runs for me or one thousand dollars or whatever so I felt like right. I'm one of those but uh, I don't know if I'll ever do it again but it was well how many people did you run against this is even more tragic so I ran against two other people so three of us were in the race and the mm-hmm. top two got in. <laughs> So I came dead last. So you came to... third. You didn't really come last. I came third in a three-man race with two spots. That's pretty last. <laughs> that is pretty last. You would have got a bronze in the Olympics. I know. <laughs> and like Jerry Seinfeld says, bronze is people would appreciate it. The silver is the one you get mad about. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would love to do it. I don't know. I don't know if I'll do, I'll do it again. But it's, it's funny you mentioned uh, talking to the cops. I know 2020 has been nuts with that. Like I'm mm. the kind of person that – and I'm being completely honest with myself. Keep it 100, Flobito. Like I always see the injustices that that people of color and even cops have received, but I'm mm-hmm. never enough to like protest about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, that's messed mm-hmm. up. I right, was on Twitter, and uh, I felt right, this right. year more than any that I felt more active than before. Did I march? No, but my neighborhood had like a bike ride, and I I jogged nearby. Like I'm black too on the wrong side. <laughs> it's very I, bougie. Very yeah, very bougie. You know, they had a bike ride. Bougie, you know? it's, okay. it's West LA, man. Uh, I voted for the first time ever. Uh, oh, really? the, well, oh, wow. second time, kind of my own election, <laughs> but but like a real oh, right, right. was the first time ever uh, because of the climate and all that. I mean, how's that affected mm-hmm. you? Did it affect you at all? Uh, as far as a person, a man of color, com- comedian third, like how did it really uh, come to a head for you this year? I mean, I think it affected the whole world. Uh, I think it was hard to be unaffected, unscathed by all the stuff that was going on. I think the fact that we were all set on pause, you know, so we had no uh, choice but to observe, uh, pay attention to things that we normally pay attention in in the background. But uh, it's in the periphery. We kind of like, ah, yeah, that's messed up. But we want to live our lives. We want to not be bothered because we want to. But I think we had no choice in this. So I think... 
I mean, a lot of people are upset by it. I've kind of inspired because I feel like you can't really solve a problem until you look at it. Mm. And I feel like we're now forced to look at the problem. So now we're the talks are there. And now we're, we can now pretend like, you know, people go Black Lives Matters. I feel like not everyone, but I feel like some people through semantics, they go, oh, hey, all lives matter. But I think that's just a way to just, I don't want to deal with that right now. Right. Or I don't want to have to admit that because now I get sucked into it. You have to now do something. Right. And I think if I can somehow duck like the Matrix, <laughs> duck it for a little. <laughs> like, I've never seen anyone move that fast. How do we get involved? Yeah, exactly. But I think it's. I think a lot of those things are just really. I can't. I know things are happening, but I for for white people or other groups that are like, I know it's, you're going through a hard time, but I can't really deal with that right now. I can't, I want, so I'll pretend it doesn't happen, but now there's no more pretending. So we kind of have to talk. And I think for me, I was kind of, I hate to say it, I was a little more uh, sir, uh, positive about it because I feel like, oh, wow. Now we're, now that we're all at the table, we're, it's not just some of the people, none of there's black people at the table or just people of color at the table trying to solve it. It's like we realize we all have to solve it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, to me, I'm kind of, it's cool. But I, for, for me, comedy-wise, though, it's really kind of like, it's I've, I'm going through my old set, and I was like, this stuff is not interesting to me anymore. I have to deal with what's happening now. So uh, I feel like it's going to put my comedy on pause a little bit of, as far as having to write new stuff or write updated material because... I've seen some com- some of these comedy shows, and they're talking about Jamba Juice and stuff, as if nothing nothing has happened. <laughs> right, it's and lots lots to unpack there. What you said, man, because I'm like you. My 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 stuff was never political. You know, the only joke political jokes I had was that I grew up in a two party household. My dad's conservative, my mom's liberal, and that has its own right. kind of like built in funny thing dumps around the issue. But much yeah. like how Fallon had to deal with on tonight's show, like Paul, you could say I don't do politics, but politics threw a brick through your window and jumped in the living room and was like, what yeah. now, player? And so coming mm-hmm. with an idea that to deal with that. <laughs> uh, but I have to ask you then do you think this time is different? Or, or do you think there there is still an opening for the status quo to swing back to the way it was? You mean the things that go back to uh, yeah, the, like, the like, old about, normal? Yeah, I don't want to get like like that guy, but like George Floyd was was one man who mm-hmm. started a revolution. For me personally, the one that the murder that affected me the most was Philando Castile because he owned the firearm legally, right? But before right, that, right. It, it felt like there was always that shock. A couple of days go by, there is a most unflattering picture, thugged out picture of the said victim. We all go, oh, that's the pre reason why, and it kind of dies out, and we just go back to a norm. Now, with the pandemic, I did feel like George Floyd actually had a swell of support that went global. And so I would mm-hmm. say it moved the needle more than ever before, but is there still a space for it to go back, for us to forget? We don't see hashtag say her name on Instagram anymore as much as we mm-hmm. used to. I, I fear, or my question is, do you think that's a possibility? Yes, I mean, I think everything's a possibility. As, as far as going back to uh, once we get comfortable again, we can go back. But I also think that, I mean, not to use that cliche, but the genie's out of the bottle. Like it's, uh, I feel like that toothpaste is just so far out of the tube now that it's kind of, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like you almost have to admittedly be an asshole to go. Oh, I'm not. I don't. I don't care. 
yeah. you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and no one wants to be, ex- most people don't want to be exposed to being that much of an asshole. But they, and I think that those, the ones who don't care will definitely, it's, there's no longer, um, I think the fence, sitting on the fence is harder to do, would be harder to do now. Right. I think you either have to be, I don't give a shit or let's try to solve this. And I, I just feel like uh, 2020, though, it's hard that you, you're saying that you don't no longer see those uh, hashtags. But I feel like 2020 has been like the, the you know, you're a DJ. It's like remix. Right. <laughs> like yeah. All the freaking drama. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do all the tra- uh, our worst human atrocities um, all compiled. Like all the stuff we're dealing with is just flashing before our eyes this whole year so we were like it's hard to keep up i think yeah. it's kind of it's going to take us a while to settle in and go whoa like but i think it's really exposed a lot of changes need to be made not just even with um racial or george floyd or anything but a lot of like how we're dealing with uh finances or so many different things are coming up you know, because we're like we're we're we were doling out money to like yeah you know let's give people you know six hundred dollars and then people are now thinking well wait a minute we got money why we got homeless why we got you know what I mean we're there's a lot of stuff that you can't roll back and say well we don't we the only reasons we're not fixing some of these problems is that we don't care to or there's it's just not high on our list of giving a shit you know right. And uh, that hopefully will come to light, you know. Uh, yeah, women's issues are like uh, still high on the, the, the um, you know, on the charts. You know, it still still hits the charts. <laughs> the hits. <laughs> still social, on the top the ten. Billboard, yeah. <laughs> social <laughs> cause billboard. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. Yeah, I do think our women's rights need to be addressed in this country. Two thousand twenty-one is, I guess, at the time of this recording, like six weeks away. Uh, did you mm-hmm. have any goals, or do you, or is it kind of like I gotta survive this first? Like, what, what, what's the, what's next for Raldi? I don't know. You know, my what I like is that I don't know. I mean, a lot of times I would have these specific plans, and I mean, at the beginning of this year, I had all kind of twenty twenty vision. Yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell my sitcom. You know, all this crap. <laughs> right. Same boat. But that went out the window. I'm like, you know, and but I kind of part part of me feels good about it because this this these last few weeks I'm t- uh, focusing on well, like kind of like what I'm saying in the podcast. Like, who am I really? Who do I want to be? Do I want to be famous because I think that's cool? Right. Do I want to just do my art? Do I want to make? Uh, you know, but when I want to get married because that's what you do, or do I want to? You know what I'm saying? Right. I just want to find that. I just want to be me, authentically be me, and not without the pressures of society. Like, who do I want to be, and what do I want to do next? And I, I'm honestly figuring that out, and it's starting to feel good. The podcast was just kind of one of those things where I go, I want to express myself this way, and it's one of the first things that I'm not worried about failing at. You know, I just feel like, you know, it'll be what it'll be. Yeah. And uh, the the people that will come to the podcast will happen organically and naturally. So I'm trying to sort of increase my uh, psychological and spiritual health. And then I feel like that will be the thing that propelled me into my uh, better artistic expression. 
that is way deeper than I thought. I, was, I think I'm like, I'm going to like the, the Germany. Like I had no idea. I mean, it's a good thing too. That's, that's what's up. Because I, I want to like, sleep with blondes. Yeah. <laughs> 2021 vision board is all just like blonde. Yeah. Never <laughs> had a Jamaican agent. <laughs> Yo, what's going to happen? No, I'm just kidding. No, I, th I think you're absolutely right. Because it's it's one of those things where it, it is a bit of reveal. Um, and for me personally, in 2020, I, the goal was to do the shows and go on the road. I had the show in Japan, the show in Alaska, and I was like, all right, comedy, I'm, I'm, I'm doubled down, I'm focusing. Uh, but when everything shut down, uh, over time, my house became a studio. And it's still mm. it's still very piecemeal. If you're watching the video version, I'm in my bedroom. That's actually, my actual dresser is there. So much that I, I, I get dressed on the other side of my bedroom because I'm afraid my webcam will pick it up. Uh, <laughs> but, but these are things I did small by small. That could sell too, by the way. Uh, my OnlyFans? <laughs> I have sell. negative followers. How's that possible? Uh, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is like I didn't know I was a broadcaster, but, but mm. knowing that the, the time I have at home and there's no comedy clubs, at least at first, kind of opened mm. this whole door of things I can do. And, and New Amsterdam right. Radio, which was like, almost like your podcast, was kind of a joke. I had it on my, on my phone. I did episodes. My didn't tell anybody. I, I had it. Didn't even promote it until episode forty-two, when like uh, a friend from high school was like, "Can I be on your show?" And I was like, "Why?" <laughs> and that's and that's like we're in episode eighty-one, eighty-two now, and, wow. and, and that just grew because I started getting more confident in doing it. So mm. in a lot of ways, twenty twenty has been great. But twenty twenty-one, I would love to keep the momentum going. That's why I always ask yeah. other creatives if you think that far ahead. Or it's kind of like, this is the longest year ever, bro. Don't ask me that question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I kind of like uh, not... Do you know who... Car is it Kyle? Kyle Cease? You ever see that guy? He used to be a comedian, and now oh, he's uh, like a... I think I know of him. I haven't met now him. Now he's like a life coach or something like that. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I realized, he was talking about just the doing things and not knowing where it's going to lead. It's mm -hmm. like one of our biggest fears, but it's actually one of the most the things that it creates the most growth. Yeah. And I realized that I was like, yeah, that happens to me when I travel. I don't know. People go, you know, you, you go to some country, uh, I keep saying Copenhagen, but you know, you, you, you go to some, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to laugh at your jokes, but it's the adventure of it is amazing. And you get through it and you, you got to figure out where the gig is and you're trying to get to the, a lot of times I purposely don't use, uh, uh, Mac, map quest or whatever. What's Ways. a map quest, Grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is. I'm just saying, whatever they have over there. Yeah, the yeah. yeah I'm sure they're up to date. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Thomas Guide. <laughs> Tom, wow, the laminated ones. <laughs> yeah. No, but I don't use the the you know ways and all that stuff because I uh, I feel like I kind of like to figure it out and like to figure out how do I get to where I go, you know, it sharpens it. Like it's kind of an, it's exciting. And I kind of feel like career wise, I feel like it's my career is going to be better that I'm not forcing some goal. Cause sometimes a goal you set is actually limiting you. You could have, mm. you could have actually gone beyond that. You know, uh, I learned that about, help me out. How, how, well, in what way, okay, I guess? Well, when I used to run track, I'm just going to use this analogy. When I used to run, I used to run track when I was in high school and sort of like the movie. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> but I used to run track and I would always just be try to be faster than the guy next to me. And I would just be just always barely inch him out. But once I started not caring about who was around me and just try to run the fastest I could, my time in, increased 
exponentially. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I actually was faster than I thought I was when I wasn't just trying to just beat the guy next to me. I was actually way faster than than I realized. Damn, that's deep. So I'm kind of, I'm trying to do that with my life now, my career. Like, how yeah. where do I really intuitively or instinctively how where do I want to go and what do I want? don't worry about you know how much you're gonna make or whatever all the stuff. Just try to be the best you you could be, best comedian. That'll happen to us with co- comedians. When you just try to be the best comedian you can you end up being funnier because you be a lot of times we're like i want to be as funny as that guy or funnier than this person or you get into this competition thing and you just got to be you because you're funny you are funny in a different way than i'm funny you know what i mean i think if you were trying to be funnier than me you you would limit yourself i mean i would even be like come on you could do better than that <laughs> don't limit yourself player yeah don't sell yourself short. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that, but that, that that hit homes for me. Um, because you're right. Because just the good jealous and the bad jealous is still jealous. You know, like mm-hmm. you have friends that are glowing up, or creative friends who glow up in their own different ways, and you don't necessarily want what they want because there's a different path. But you're like, yo, how come no one's blown me up yet? Come on, and mm-hmm. you get to this whole thing as well. Damn, bro. Ooh. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta walk, I take a walk after that one, take that out. But no, but in all seriousness, thank you so much for being on the show, man. This has been one of my favorite interviews so far. Can you do me a favor and tell the world how they can follow you, find you, download your podcast, all that good stuff? Oh yeah, everything, almost everything I have is is raw TV. So it's the spelling of my first name, and I just add TV and and end of it like television. Not not just TV means television, but it just means like teleporting my vision <laughs> that sounds like i was high when it came out <laughs> yeah, it kind of does but hey, look, man, it's cool <laughs> no no but it's like uh it's it, raw tv is everywhere like uh, uh instagram raw and then tv and Instagram. you know um even my uh, my uh facebook uh, what else am i on uh myspace what <laughs> yeah i think it's just me and tom right now <laughs> I thought Tom retired. Tom peaced out. Tom is even he's not even there. MySpace. No, no, but every every uh, social media uh, thing, it's raw TV. You can find me, and if you DM me, I'll hit you back because I don't have that many fans. But I can't hit you back. He will. It'll take like three or four days. We'll hit you back. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I can't wait to have Raw back on a future episode of New Amsterdam Radio. New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It's about time we get out of here. I'll be back next time with more insights and more perspectives. But before I get out of here, though, I just want to say if you have any desire to learn more about the show and other shows in the New Amsterdam Network, can't believe I'm saying that. It's so surreal. Check out newamsterdam.com. That's KDW amsterdam.com so new amsterdam with a k and learn more about a lot of the shows that i get to host or produce uh in this weird 
digital only studio 2020 pandemic thing that I'm making happen. There's What's Up Flovo After Hours, the sister show to this one, where we have more of a casual environment. Flovo saw it on Netflix, where I get to chat critically about film and television properties that are exclusively on that Netflix platform. Review shows like Draped in Gold for Wrestling or Commander's Log for Star Trek and uh a lot of good gaming material there as far as my streaming as a video game e-caster. So newamsterdam.com, kenewamsterdam.com. If you want to support the show, though, make sure you become a member of the Boisterous Crew at patreon.com slash Boys. But enough of me rambling and shilling my products. I'm out of here. Uh, until next time, the city is yours.